Welcome back. This is Raghu Banda. And today we have a podcast session on the topic of how do you leverage machine learning operations or ML ops. So this is, uh, we are in season three and this is the podcast four in season three. This podcast, as I've explained at the beginning of season three, I said that I'll be trying to get some guests or expert speakers or experts from outside of SAP. So this is one attempt in getting an AI expert or machine learning expert uh, outside of SAP. So here in today's session, I've invited a startup founder, Mr. Prem Narayan Das, uh, to discuss a few things around the machine learning lifecycle. And we predominantly go over the MLOps the various MLOps platforms out there and how how important it is to use machine learning ops or the MLOps and how we are uh, seeing more and more companies or more and more enterprises getting in there. And it is very imperative and very important that we understand that. So I took an example out of this outside of SAP world and then see how you could leverage here. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation as always. And at the end of the conversation, I will provide more details. Thank you for listening. All right, uh, welcome back. This is Raghu Banda. And today we have a guest outside of SAP. I'm inviting Prem. Uh, he's the fo founder of uh, Catonic AI. So today we'll be talking a bit more around the MLOps platform. And in this context, I would like to have a conversation with Prem, who is the founder of uh, Catonic AI. So welcome, Prem. Um, would appreciate if you can give a quick introduction from your end. Yeah, hi, Raghu. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Uh, you know, looking looking forward to this uh, uh, podcast and, and viewers' view on what we are doing. So, yeah, uh, Raghu, my name is Prem Narayandas. I'm 20 years into the industry. Spent most of my life helping large organizations, uh, CXO, CIOs, leverage value from IT. And in the last seven years, there's been a lot of focus on AI and blockchain. And uh, I've got an opportunity to implement some of the world's first blockchain and AI projects. So I was heading blockchain globally for DXC Technology, which is third largest IT company in the world. And also I led some of, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, big AI programs here in the region in Australia. And I felt that there was a need uh, to do, at least when it came to implementing AI, uh, there was a need for a product which can help organizations get value quicker. And that's where we created this uh, platform, Ketonic MLOps platform. It's a two-year-old company, uh, took us about 18 months to build, and we've been generally available from six months, got a great traction. So yeah, that's a quick uh, intro about uh, about us, Raghu. Thanks, Prem. I think that's an awesome introduction. We'll um, slowly get into the conversation, uh, and then we can learn a bit more about your uh, product and how MLOps is helping these different AI projects. So maybe before we get into the conversation, like uh, like always, I put this question to my guests who get onto the podcast. If you could relate one experience prior to using AI, and I know we in our daily lives, personal and professional lives, we know 
we in inadvertently we leverage a machine learning or ai could you relate one such incident before and after before using ai and how currently in the current year i think in the current generation i think how you can yeah look ai has been fascinating i mean i think we are one of those uh, you know at least i'm i was born born in 1979 so i've been pre internet and pre ai so we've seen the transition of you know non technology to internet and then to ai so uh, look ai always fascinated uh, me especially uh, you know when it came to photos i i take a lot of photos both personal and you know um and you know it was always difficult to actually search for uh, older photos and now that you know i've kept all the photos so i always found ai to be useful to help me especially with all this facial recognition to kind of pick those right photos or uh, you know you're looking for photos with beaches or swimming pools it was so easy to just you know uh, type in there so that fascinated me quite a bit even before i was into ai many years back so uh yeah yeah definitely is going to change the world i mean it's going to change every aspect be it customer uh, uh, improvement increasing give, giving better experience or even reducing cost for a lot of organization yeah so yeah ragu thank you prem i think that's a wonderful example maybe uh, what i'll do let us take a quick break or quick pause and then come back and get into our conversation of uh, today's conversation about leveraging ml apps Sure, Raghu. Yep. All right. Welcome back. So now let us uh, continue our conversation or get into the main uh, topic of our conversation. So, Prem, I know you and me and a lot of these uh, AI community leaders or AI members. I think we all. read a lot about or we all follow a lot about the things that are going on around in the ai community whether it is uh, and we hear a lot going on like right? and we hear about the gartner report the forrester report saying that uh, there are a lot of ai projects getting implemented but we see that there are some problems but do you really think there are problems and how do you maybe could you provide some thoughts around it here ago uh, look a lot of these reports say that organizations are struggling and uh, to some extent they are right uh, and i'll i'll give you an example you know of myself right so when i started this ai journey uh, you know from dxc technology we got an opportunity to uh, you know uh, build or you know propose certain use cases uh, for a large bank in australia here and i was fortunate enough to build a data science team of about 8 or 9 back about 7 years back right and um, you know the classic mistake which everyone makes even i made right so what we did was we hired a bunch of data scientists uh, you know we were working in silo they wanted uh, you know certain frameworks certain open source uh, tools like jupiter notebook which we provided them uh, on their laptops and we built the model we took the offline data we built some of uh, really fantastic models like you know predicting if a bank will go down uh, you know predicting you know why the uh, if at all it's going down why it will go down predict uh, you know so some of these use cases were really Uh, you know great especially given that uh, uh, you know the the banks back then were not very stable but the challenge was uh, you know while we built these models using the offline data right we took data from various sources and we presented to business the business was very happy and they wanted to implement this but that's when uh, you know we realized that the model which we built 
and the offline data we have, we had to you know involve the wider IT team because when you are taking something into production, the offline data which you took from say SAP HANA, you'll probably have to have a connector which is pulling real time, near real time. And the notebook which you have created can't scale when it comes to billions of records because on, on the offline data, you're probably doing it either in batch. So, uh, you know, it took them one and a half years. In fact, you know, we built this, uh, you, uh, you know, about two, two and a half years back and I quit two and a half years back. And I just realized that some of those projects went, went live only recently with, uh, with another MLOps company. So, uh, so definitely, you know, organizations don't realize that, you know, data science and operations, you know, they, they need to work together from day one, just the way DevOps um, you know, what DevOps did for uh, software is what organizations need to do by bringing their machine learning development team and the operations together. And that's a mistake I feel most of them are making. And it's also because there's lack of processes as well, which I'll talk a little more later. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. I really agree um, to that uh, aspect that you're talking about, Prem. I think, yeah, we did, we do went through these kind of challenges ourselves as well when we have been working with different customers. So, yes. Going further, I think uh, now that we started discussing about that, what do you think are, or can you provide some thoughts about the key ingredients that are involved when you are uh, working on these different AI projects with your experience with these different customers? Yeah, so essentially, see, everything has to, you know, typically it can't be, look, we built an AI team, now let's figure out what we can do, right? It should be the other way where you first involve the business and ask them, where can AI help? and have some kind of business matrices. Okay, this is what we want to achieve using AI versus uh, you know, data science matrix where we're talking about accuracy of the model because sometimes even a 60% accurate model can give you millions and billions of saving, right? So it's always good to start business first. And in the data science, you know, uh, while a lot of people might think it's uh, you know, very complex. It's very simple, right? And if, if you, if I have to explain this to my wife, this is how I would explain, right? So if, if you're looking at predicting something, there are four or five key steps and four or five key people who need to get involved. One business to kind of agree on what is that they're trying to achieve. Then uh, you start with experimentation. So even before you involve your data engineers and IT operations, typically there's an experimentation phase because not all use cases stack up against AI because AI um, cannot be 100% guaranteed. It, it, it has function of data. Uh, you know, it, 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 you need to experiment, right? So data scientists, what they typically do is they experiment and nobody really builds model, uh, builds algorithms anymore. I mean, 10 years back, data scientists used to build algorithms, but now there are too many open source algorithms. So all they're doing and what experimentation means is they take the data run it on an algorithm, see how the you know prediction is, run it on another algorithm, see how the prediction is, and so on and so forth. And even that process is automated in many of the tools like Ketonic, right? So after the experimentation, they identify the best algorithm, which is predicting, and then you know they feel that, okay, that is something which can be uh, moved into production. So they show the results to the business, saying, hey, look, you know, we built this experiment. This is the model we've shortlisted. We want to move into production. And once business is happy with those KPIs, both, you know, uh, business is more interested in what kind of savings it can do, right? Your model can be less accurate, more accurate, like hundreds of matrices. And then it's time to move it into production. And this is where you will now involve your data engineering team and machine learning operation, uh, machine learning engineers to convert that piece of code, right? Which could be in Python or R or MATLAB to into scalable pipelines. Because when you're experimenting, you experiment with small data, limited data, you're experimenting with limited compute, but when you're doing at scale, you need to do it real time. The compute gets higher. And also during experimentation, sometimes 
you need a lot of compute, uh, but when you are actually moving into production, you need more stable, scalable. So now it's time to convert those models into scalable APIs, which are then exposed and given to developers who then integrated in the application. And the data engineers will work on creating the pipes. And then you need to ensure that the IT operations team is monitoring all of this. And every time there is a problem, you retrain the model because unlike code, which is deterministic, right? Code, you give an input, it gives you an output, but model is a function of data and code, right? So if I train a facial recognition model in the US, it won't work in Australia because your data set changes. So you have to continuously retrain and remodel. So in short, you know, these are the key things, right? Business objective, experimentation, shortlisting short of the best model, productionizing, which involves building data pipes to bring in the data, uh, productionizing that model, converting that into an API, monitoring it, and retraining uh, every time you see that uh, it's not performing well. And, you know, I mean, that's sounds as easy as it, but it requires a lot of tools and uh, collaboration to make it happen. That's where a lot of organizations are still catching up, right? So, yeah. Right, right. Awesome. I think I like the way that you put, uh, uh, Prem, I think while talking about the experimentation phase, I think which is very true to what we have been uh, noticing currently. I know like I, I like the way you put it, like you're saying that, okay, in the past, we used to have these data scientists who sit and write algorithms and other things, but now you have humongous amount of information out there. Algorithms are there, flavors of different algorithms. It's all about the experimentation and how do you choose the right model and then train it in production. And of course, the training and retraining part is the most important thing, like you mentioned. Yeah, Raku, so I'll just add one more point, right? So there are right. so when you're experimenting, you are essentially playing around with two things, right? One is you're playing around with different algorithms mm -hmm. and you're playing around with different features in data because uh, the data, the way it is there, it is one siloed and the data uh, are mostly in databases or it, has, it is stored in a way so that it can cater to the business applications, right? It right. is not stored in a way so that it can cater to AI. So when the data is given to data scientists, they have to identify features, right? Let's talk about a very simple example. If you are a real estate agent mm -hmm. and if you are actually showing a house to a party uh, to sell the house, now, intuitively, you know that if the person has come with his family and if he's well-dressed and he's probably driving an expensive car, he can afford the, so these are those intuitive signals which you have in your mind, which tells you, yeah, this sale will go through, right? And uh, what AI is doing is uh, rep replicating this intuitiveness into more, uh, you know, where you convert those into signals and the data is converted into features, right? Mm -hmm. So the data scientist essentially plays around with features create features out of this data. So uh, age can be a feature, but no database has age as, uh, age of a, right. uh, you know, um, and uh, the, the pin code of where that person comes could be a feature. And based on the pin code, you could look at the average, uh, you know, lifestyle and decide if the person will buy something expensive, right? So, so the data scientist playing around with features and playing around with algorithms. And finally, they find the best features and find the best algorithm, which will give the best prediction. Right, and then they decide that these are the features and these are the algorithms which need to go into production. So just wanted to highlight the feature part because that's the core to the entire experimentation. Right, right, yeah, very true, very true. I think the feature part and then how do you ma manipulate that or how do you change that and how do you monitor that? It's very important, I think, when you... Let us uh, maybe take a quick break and then we come back and continue our conversation. Yep. All right, uh, welcome back. 
So now let us continue with our conversation. So now that we talked about the big picture and then we talked about the key ingredients needed in the uh, AI projects. So where, where does ML ops come into play? I know in the past, we know, I think we know about DevOps and how we do the operations and the DevOps lifecycle and all. I know now we talk a lot about ML ops. So where does ML ops come into play and why is it so important? This is where I keep hearing these questions when I talk with any of these AI evangelists or AI experts. Yeah, Raghu, great question. So firstly, see a lot of these organizations uh, are looking to invest or have invested in AI. And uh, when I meet a lot of my customers, I realize that they have only one or two use cases implemented and they would have probably spent millions of dollars, right? And I keep I kept wondering why that was, but now I know, right? So now uh, the problem with most of these organizations is the, the cost of implementing and maintaining and managing a model is so high that a lot of commonsensical use cases don't make sense because the return on investment doesn't stack up, ROI doesn't stack up, right? That's because they're doing a lot of things manually and they're investing uh, a lot of time on things which can be automated, uh, you know, and uh, there are too many people working with too many tools. Uh, and that's the reason, you know, uh, there's a struggle, right? And uh, we need to learn like what AI, uh, in, the AI is struggling. We need to learn from, I mean, it was the same problem which the IT had many years back where they figured out that the development team was isolated. The development team would build something and give it to the operations team and operations team would then struggle. And they thought, okay, why don't we bring them together, right? And that's how DevOps was formed. And uh, see, one thing is to bringing them together, but the other thing is to also ensuring that you give them the right tool set, which can make them come together. And there is a right, uh, you know, process and tools, em uh, process embedded in those tools so that there is proper handoffs and everyone knows what needs to be done and you incrementally get value, right? So DevOps became popular. A lot of DevOps tool came in, uh, you know, uh, everyone has their own favorite DevOps tools and most of the organizations are using DevOps tool, right? And DevOps, what it does is it does something called CICD, continuous integration. And continuous deployment, right? Where you're continuously building and you're continuously deploying. There are organizations even, you know, uh, building and deploying in seconds like Amazon, right? Now, uh, when the AI came, a lot of these organizations thought that, okay, we've just done a digital transformation and invested, you know, millions of dollars on DevOps and DevOps is something, these tools. So they thought that these they can use these tool sets to manage AI. Uh, but what they forgot is that, AI is function of code and data. So while you can use DevOps to manage code, you still need tools to manage data. So, uh, you know, in order to have a successful AI, you need DevOps, which is your CICD, and also continuous training and continuous monitoring of model. And a lot of these tool sets don't have that. And a lot of organizations, uh, you know, try to bring in silo tools for continuous training, like experimentation, continuous training, monitoring, and try to integrate with DevOps, but they failed miserably, right? And that's where, you know, machine learning operations comes into the picture. That's exactly what DevOps did to software, bringing your data science developer, right? Which is machine learning developer is no, nothing but your data scientist and your mm -hmm. data engineer, right? And bring them with your operations team, which is a DevOps machine learning, uh, you know, engineers who will convert that code into scalable pipeline and give them this set of tool set, right. which can then help them, you know, uh, deliver the value, uh, which AI has been promising, right? So that's why, uh, you know, this is what is MLOps. It's quite simple. And uh, it is going to be important because the only way to get value and institutionalize and get value across your organization and have AI in every part of your organization is through MLOps. Because 
building one or two models and putting into production is another thing and managing maintaining hundreds of models is a different game which you cannot do without mlops mm -hmm. that's true i think very well said i think um prem i think and this is the key aspect there right like like you mentioned there are quite a lot of these tools out there when you talk about these data science tools in, uh, where different customers or different companies use in their ai implementation projects i know you your company they have you you focus more on this mlops play and i know maybe you could provide a few thoughts around these different data science tools and where exactly ketonic ai is helping bridge the gap when we talk about these mlops platforms yeah so raghu so if you if you go back to the first part of the podcast i briefly explained how typically a data science project works right so the first phase is always experimentation right and there are a lot of tools out there and mlops actually has been very you know loosely used and abused uh, uh, you know a, a lot of organizations do a very small part of this machine learning and they call them itself mlops right and now uh, you know more and more i think uh, the industry is agreeing that mlops uh, will be equivalent to an end to end platform which can do everything for you so they call it full life cycle mlops so now there are a lot of tools which help you experimentation both open source and uh, you know uh, paid and a lot of tools are good out there right uh, so they help you with experimentation uh, and then once the experimentation is complete you have uh, data engineers using a lot of tools to do uh, you know etl connect to their data bring it in and then um, you then have machine learning engineers convert that experiment into scalable pipeline so you have tools for pipeline management and you have tools for monitoring so what's happened what's happening is there are a lot of tools out there and uh, in my opinion no cio will get up one day and say okay let's embrace ai let's go buy these six tools right that's not going to happen right uh, uh, they they might have done it 3 years back because there was no end to end but at least in this uh, uh era uh, where there are a lot of mlops uh, end to end platforms available including the one like ketonic organizations are looking at an end to end platform uh, and of course uh, Uh, so in my opinion uh, you know uh, all these smaller tools will either be acquired by the larger companies uh, right or uh, you know they'll probably you know struggle to survive uh, the current scenario uh, so what organizations need is an end to end platform right uh, which can actually which is open enough right because again see it's an evolving ecosystem right so right. the best algorithm today might not be the best algorithm tomorrow so it needs to be microservices based and again uh, there are a lot of challenges so during experimentation uh, you need uh, you know compute so that you can actually train so there's a lot of reliance on it so you need a platform which can which, which can make data scientists and you know the users self sufficient uh, and they're not dependent on it at the same time it has enough processes so that they can control all these you know new uh, tools and from a security perspective you know ensure that the algorithms are all scanned and then approved so that's where you know there's an urgent need for platforms uh, which can give end to end capability which is open enough to accommodate any new tool but at the same time has the best practices the other thing is you know there are best practices so google published a paper in august uh, which talked about the best practices in mlops which they use and google being pioneer so all of those best practices a lot of these tools like we ketonic have included that in the tool and we have role based access so that everyone does their part and incrementally you know you are able to get value out, out of it so that's how uh, you know I, i would probably see uh, you know all these uh, mlops uh, and the different tools coming together perfect 
perfect awesome and so that this is where i think catonic ai plays a major role when you have built this kind of a platform when you are trying to uh, realize this ai projects in real time yeah so see what we felt is that like uh, because i've been involved we felt that uh, most of the data scientists are taking two approach right mm -hmm. so they are either buying uh, these silo tools or they are going and installing and sometimes because they are so much dependent on it and it takes too long they circumvent them and they go install uh, these open source tools on their laptop so the way you had shadow it i call them shadow data science teams right uh, who then uh, you know install it and they typically go and install uh, the best available open source tool for each of these process right so they'll install probably jupyter notebook for the id environment and then they'll install uh, you know ml flow for uh, you know experimentation because that's one of the best tool then they'll install qflow pipeline and what i've realized is that the, uh, you know uh, they take a lot of time to install right and all these tools install on kubernetes so you need to understand kubernetes you need to understand docker you need to install them and the versions of these continue to change and uh, the screens of each the ui for each is very different they are not connected they are not secure so they waste a lot of time doing that and mm -hmm. uh, you know a lot of organizations have attempted to you know put in a glue to stitch them together and what we have done is made their life easy right ketonic is not a 100% proprietary tool right essentially it's a uh, you know a group of tools right but with a unified ui which gives you the ability to do all the things i told you and our platform is powered by popular open source tools like mlflow is what we use for experimentation we use qflow pipeline which powers google for pipeline management right we use prometheus grafana but what we do is we do all the hard work of bringing it together creating the gel putting in the best practices of google uh, putting a ui on top of it and securing it using red hat key cloak so that you don't have to spend millions of dollars and hundreds of man hours of your data science team who are so precious figuring out how to implement and maintain and manage this project and rather focus on business value and do more experiments so that's how that's what ketonic does and that's the reason a lot of customers like us because it's open it's extendable it's on kubernetes secure and it makes their life easy right perfect Awesome. So what we'll do, uh, Prem, I think um, that's a great way I think you've put it. We'll take a quick pause or quick break and then come back and continue our conversation about what are the different prerequisites we need and the guidelines and so on and so forth. Yep. All right. Welcome back. So uh, let us continue our conversation. We talked about the AI projects and the key ingredients in a big, in a big picture, and then uh, Prem gave us an overview about the ML ops and where ML ops gets into play and the different data science tools that are in play and how ML ops is giving a big picture thing. And then we also briefly talked about the prerequisites and the guidelines. So let us now go a bit further. I know Prem, I want to touch base on the thoughts that you have put across continuous training and continuous monitoring, these aspects that we do typically on DevOps and how we are now doing this in the context of MLOps, where we do now obviously continuous training and then continuous monitoring of these models and how we can retrain and get back. Maybe if we can talk a bit more about that, I think it'd be helpful for the audience. Yeah, Raghu, uh, definitely. So, uh, see, continuous training and continuous monitoring is very key uh, for, for, for AI. And in, instead of explaining it 
uh, in a very technical way. Let me just make it very interesting uh, for you guys. So let's say Raghu, you know, decides to become an entrepreneur, right? And he wants to build a mobile app, which essentially uh, you upload a photo and it, uh, if there is a cat in there, it recognizes a cat and probably, uh, you know, suggests what breed it is. And maybe it will point out to pet shop to show, you know, what kind of food you should buy or maybe give some suggestions on the care, right? Let's say, you know, Raghu decides to do that. Uh, by the way, sounds like a good idea, Raghu. Maybe we can talk about <laughs> it here. Yeah. So, uh, so, 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 so this is uh, a combination and this is what typically organizations do, right? Nobody is going to say, okay, let's build, uh, we need a model, right? The, typically, they, there is a business problem and you're trying to solve that. In this case, we want to build a mobile app which is powered by AI. So now if you look at this, you can break this into two parts, right? You can, uh, so one is you need to build a mobile app. So you bring in a ReactJS developer or iOS or an app developer who will build that app. And that app is more of a, you know, front end, which is consuming an API. So, uh, so the data science team or the MLOps team or the AI team, whatever you call, has to provide an API to the app developer who can actually pass the photo and get the breed uh, from the API. And then he can subsequently decide once the breed is identified. So so the API will read a photo and see if there is a cat or not and tell the breed, right? That's what we want to build using uh, data science. So now in order to build a model, right? So I talked about experimentation. So the way it happens is you need to experiment and you need to train, right? Experimentation right. and training go hand in hand. So in training, you, uh, so essentially AI is nothing but it's like building, uh, you know, a brain or it's training a kid, right? So in this case, the way we train an AI model or cre create that brain is by showing the photos uh, to uh, a, a small piece of code, which is your algorithm, right? It could be, I mean, don't don't worry about all the technicality, but right. just think of it as a small piece of code to which we show. So in order to achieve this, we need photos of cat because we need to train the model so that it understands how cat looks. So typically there is an open source data which is available for cat. If the open source data is not available, there is something called labeling where you take a lot of photos of cat and then you label it and you say, this is the cat, this is the breed. So you need training data. So let's say in this case, there was open source tool available. We took the uh, you know training data. And now what we do is we train the algorithm. So we show, let's say we had 100,000 uh, 100, photos of cats with breeds. Now we train the model and say, hey model, see, this is the photo, this is the cat, this is the breed. And you keep training and you keep showing those 100,000 photos 10,000 times. Mm -hmm. And it is completely automated. And this is compute intensive. So at this point of time, you need GPUs, uh, right for a few hours or a few seconds or a few minutes depending on how quick you want to do it so you need to spin gpus for a few hours and a lot of organizations struggle to do that and that's where mlops you know automatically spins it's on kubernetes so it will spin so for one of our customer we spin 86 machines at 12 in the night process 100000 videos and in 57 minutes after the videos are processed we bring all of them down right so once you process once you train this model this cat right mm -hmm. you then uh, at a click of a button can convert that so once you are happy with the model uh, and the way it works is you you know break 90 uh, like nine, 90000 photos are used for training and 10000 photos are used for testing to see yeah. uh, if the algorithm is performing well and once you are happy with the model you convert that into an api which happens at a click of a button on mlops platform like kitonic and the now the apis are on you know serverless scalable platform so that if there is a 1 million call you can auto, auto scale right and if there is one call you're just consuming enough power to keep the model on right now you give this api to the mobile app developer right and you go live right and then mm -hmm. people start uh, putting in cat they start getting value and now suddenly you see in that in two weeks you had you had trained the model on 100000 photos but you got another 50000 photos 
Now, you can always improve the model. So model is always getting better when you train more. Now you can always, uh, you know, use these new 50,000 models, right? And train the model, retrain the model, right? So this is retraining. And typically retraining used to be very, uh, you know, manual where the data scientists will go again, train it, and then they will take the old model, replace it with the new. And it takes a lot of effort. And that's where continuous training, which continuously trains the model automatically on a regular interval, either automated or triggered manually, but completely automated. And, uh, uh, you know, and then it's auto deployed and the old model is replaced with the new one. And there is no impact on the API, right? It continues to work seamlessly and you'll see better results, right? But at the same time, uh, you, you need continuous monitoring where the model, which is, you know, being consumed by that app, you need to ensure that it's accurate, it's performing well. So you need to continuously monitor it. And every time you see that the accuracy of that is deteriorating, you need to re-trigger the training pipeline so that it auto-trains, right? So in simple terms, this is what continuous monitoring and continuous training is. And the example I gave you uh, was very simple, but things can get very, very complicated sure. and things can sure. get very, very nasty if a model goes wrong, right? Uh, you, you must have read about examples <laughs> where models gone wrong. I mean, companies have burst. I think there was an example in the US so very important to continuously monitor, continuously train, keep the model updated, and that's completely automated on platforms like Ketonic. So Raghu, hope that, you know, uh, <laughs> a startup idea we can discuss, but that's how, uh, you know, and, and you can do it very quickly using a platform like MLOps. Otherwise, it was a one-year project, right? Now you can do it in three weeks on the platform. True, true. Awesome. I think the example that you put and the way that you put is... Uh, great, I think, uh, Prem. And uh, it's a great idea. <laughs> I know uh, quite a tons of startups doing that. So maybe something else we have to do. But I think this is yeah. a great idea that you've told. Uh, I have a, so taking it further down the lane, I think, so we do we did talk about these ML ops and how do you do continuous training, continuous monitoring, and we discussed about it. I know there are a lot of these ML ops tools or ML ops platforms. Maybe can you talk a bit about how do you differentiate Catonic MLOps with other platforms and how how can it ease these different implementations of AI projects? And how do you, I know maybe you might have also uh, come across some SAP customers or SAP implementations. Uh, how, how are these things adding value to your uh, AI projects? Yeah, Raghu. So uh, see, firstly, uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, companies claim to be MLOps, right? Not too many of them, but there are quite a few out there. And I, I, in my mind, you know, I bucket them into three buckets, right? One is organizations who are doing a small piece of machine learning operations process, like your training, uh, you know, labeling, uh, monitoring, experimentation, right? Uh, uh, and they call themselves MLOps. And uh, I don't see them as competitor because like I said, you know, uh, organizations are looking for an end-to-end -end platforms. So that's the first bucket. The second bucket is the cloud bucket, right? Uh, so organizations who are cloud first are on the cloud. So your Microsoft, uh, you know, machine learning platform, uh, your AWS SageMaker, Google Vertex AI, Databricks, right? They, I, I, I call them as, you know, cloud first and cloud uh, MLOps. And uh, some of them are good, but the problem with these is uh, uh, if uh, it's, see, MLOps is a buffet of tools they offer. And you like an ice cream in the buffet, right? But they force you to the, eat the entire buffet, right? So the problem with these cloud vendors is they'll force you to buy everything and you don't want to be locked in, right? And the third bucket is independent, uh, you know, MLOps companies um, uh, like, you know, Data Robo, uh, you know, Domino Data, Nine Data IQ, whom we come across most of the time. Uh, and there again, there are two buckets, right? Uh, uh, 
some of them which are trying to be auto ml or drag and drop capability catering to citizen data scientists and some of them which are code first uh, you know like domino data and you know data robo started as a you know a data iq and there i feel that look while citizen data scientists like to experiment but in the end putting the model into production and monitoring maintaining that should not be driven uh, by this capability right mm-hmm. uh, so there i feel that uh, you know there should be a good balance between two so that's where ketonic is played differently so we have a drag and drop capability to cater the decision uh, citizen data scientists but at the same time we have code first and the drag and drop components which the citizen data scientist drags can actually be designed and developed by the data science team so we've given that so it caters to low code no code uh, full code uh, personas and it's very much self service driven where we let data scientists spin their own id environment we give them the flexibility to choose their own id environment like jupyter notebook or r or matlab right but at the same time they also have the flexibility to decide you know what algorithms or frameworks they want and they can quickly spin gpus and cpus at a click of a button and more importantly our platform lives on kubernetes right that's a biggest differentiator what it means is that it's infrastructure agnostic it in- installs on so we have installations on aws azure gcp but we have installations on prem and no matter how much these organizations tell you uh, you know cloud cloud the data still gravitates on on prem right uh, in most of the cases and uh, the flexibility which we offer of Uh, and you don't need to wait because a lot of organizations have postponed their ai they are thinking let's do the cloud transformation and then look at ai uh, because they think that if they build something you know their data is kind of you know they're not sure the next two years where the day. so that's where we are helping organizations implement ketonic on prem mm-hmm. get the value of ai today and when you move to cloud seamlessly move because all we have to do is uninstall here and install there right uh, that's another benefit and security right so we use red hat keycloak we are an iso 27001 we have implementations in bank bank expect you to do 20 30 different kind of dances when it comes to security we've done that all which means that if banks are comfortable in buying ketonic most of the other industries are comfortable and uh, so that's how i see ketonic differently right and of course you know being a startup uh, uh, you know our prices are quite uh, you know aggressive as well Uh, and you you get the best support because startups are passionate about what what they do and you must have already heard of large organizations employ motto uh, motivation uh, going down so coming to sap look um, you know sap definitely we we have uh, connectors on sap hana we have implementations where we've connected to sap hana and so there i feel that uh, you know while those projects were successful there was a bit of a learning curve because we are an ml ops company we don't understand sap so much and we had to put in people who could build those so there i think a, a more deeper partnership with sap right uh, a more uh, working closely with sap i think that will be uh, really helpful uh, which uh, you know of course uh, it would be nice to see how we can make that happen and that way we offer the end to end right um, uh, we have the ml ops uh, you 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 offer everything you offer and then we kind of make life easy for the customer and it's a win win for all right so yeah over to you ragu thank you thank you that's a very well put uh, answer uh, uh, prema like the way he put it and then um, of course uh, yeah there is a lot of um, experiences that you do i think well when you are running on these different ai projects or with these different customer experiences taking it further i know that you might have faced a lot of these real time challenges are there any learnings that you could share with the audience yeah ragu yeah so see i think the first learning i already shared that you should 
you know, not, you know, look at the technology and look at what AI can do. It should be the other way, right? You start with business, look at your business, look at your... Uh, so there are a lot of use cases out there. We share, we have a laundry list of all the use cases in the industry, some of them pre-built. So always look at what it means to your business and come up with business KPI and don't get bogged down by accuracy of the model because it means nothing, right? You might have 100% accurate model, but it might not add any value, but you might... There are instances where... 63, 64% accurate models have been put it into production because uh, instead of co flipping a, a coin, customer feels that you know a 60% accurate model can actually benefit them and save them a million of dollars. So that's number one rule. So number two, uh, you know, uh, see when you are implementing AI, you need three parties for the AI to be successful. One, uh, the business and the commitment from the business to an IT team, right, uh, who will actually build use cases because the MLOps platform just provides you the platform, right? I don't have expertise in any domain. I don't solve a specific problem. All I do is spin uh, this beautiful open, uh, you know, platform, which is cutting edge. But unless, you know, you have the commitment from the business and you have the right know-how to build those use cases, you will fail. And you, you know, customers might then blame Ketonic, which had nothing to do with it. So this is where a third uh, party, which is a solution provider, right, or a consulting partner who comes into picture. So we have partnership with CGI. We just signed a global partnership with Luxoft, Tech Mahindra, uh, and smaller boutique companies, uh, uh, smaller integration partners like SI. And what we've learned is that, uh, and also we are moving more and more towards partner-driven sales because no, no. No CIO really wants to buy an MLOps platform, right? The CIO wants to get value out of AI. So the first step is to come up with an AI strategy, come up with a list of use cases, come up with a roadmap, right? Identify what kind of effort is required to, uh, you know, deliver that roadmap, identify, you know. So that's where I, my suggestion to any of the customers would be to ensure that you bring in your SI partners. Most of you have SI partners and we do have partnership with most of them. Work with them because they understand you well. They have a good domain knowledge, right? Work with them on the AI strategy, AI plan, the roadmap, and then bring in Ketonic and then build those use cases, experiment quickly. So we, I call it, uh, you know, a continuous, uh, getting continuous value or uh, getting value through continuous innovation where you identify a use case, quickly experiment on the platform. If the experiment is successful, move on, convert that into a pipeline, hand it off and then move it into production or, you know, go back to the next use case and do it very quickly and bring in processes in place to do that, right? So so my suggestion or learning is to involve the SI partner, do some thinking uh, on the AI strategy roadmap, but build a center of excellence model where there is, you know, this whole thing coming together and the ideas are, ideas, ideas are collected, uh, you know, implemented, and then you get this continuous value. So that's how, at a very high level, I would say, uh, my, my learnings from the last two, not two, but nine years of, you know, being part of the AI implementation. That's great. I think, Prem, I think that's some great uh, experiences that you have shared for the audience. Um, and I believe uh, that's uh, uh, some great amount of information for our audience. I would like to uh, maybe, uh, uh, before close the session, I think maybe, do you want to provide any closing remarks, um, uh, Prem? Yeah, definitely. So look, I think people have unwantedly or unknowingly, you know, kind of uh, mystified AI, right? Uh, so every time I meet a customer, they think, oh man, AI is something really, uh, you know, magical, right? Uh, and very complex and very complicated, uh, you know, so it's, so while many organizations democratizing data, uh, AI, we are also looking at simplifying AI. So one of the feedback we got from one of the analysts 
is that our platform is very simple to use, right? Uh, so the closing remark here is uh, now doesn't matter, you know, how technical you are, you can actually at least uh, start with understanding some of the concepts. So we have a free Udemy course. It's not free, but we, uh, through Raghu, we can give a coupon code, uh, which, which will give you three hours of uh, access. It is not technical. It's not, it won't teach you how to build a model, but it teaches you aspects of what I told you, right? What is MLOps? Why is continuous training important? So it is not targeted to CIOs, but it's also not targeted to data science. It's targeted for someone like you, who's a bit technical and wants to really understand uh, AI world a little more and then decide, uh, you know, if they want to take that route. So, uh, you know, I can share the coupon code, uh, Raghu. Uh, you can share it with uh, with the wider team and I'm happy, uh, you know, to hear feedback on the course. We are looking at improving it continuously and definitely, uh, you know, I'm sure the audience will find it useful because it's not really technical, but at the same time, it's not at a very high level at a business level. Yeah. So that would be my closing remark, Raghu. Yeah. Thank you, Prem. I think that is wonderful to have you on the podcast and I'll definitely take that code and maybe I'll put it in when I uh, publish this uh, podcast. But it was uh, having wonderful you on the podcast. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Raghu. My pleasure. I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. All right. Let me first thank... Uh, our guest, uh, Mr. Prem Narayan Das from Ketonic AI. We had a wonderful conversation on the topic of uh, ML ops and the impact that it is creating in the enterprise world and the consumer world. So I hope you have enjoyed the conversation and you find it useful because we discussed about the various aspects of doing machine learning and the various stages that are involved when you're implementing AI projects. The reason I put this podcast right after my last podcast is that in the last podcast of the podcast 23, we focused and discussed about the various customer experiences and customer challenges and the implementations from SAP experts. So I wanted to have this as a transition into the machine learning apps. So where you could understand a bit more on how or what kind of ML apps platforms are available out there. I hope you could also relate a bit on my Medium blog, where I discuss about the various stages of AI project flow. Going forward, I will be putting a few more blogs and few more podcasts around this as well. I hope uh, you found it useful and you can find more information about it when you search up my name, Raghubanda, and go and pull out the details on machine learning and AI applications podcast series and find this current podcast leveraging MLOps platforms. As always, you can send your feedback at my Twitter handle RK Banda or at LinkedIn Raghu Banda or RK Banda. Alternatively, you could also send an email to venkata.ragu.banda at sap.com or ragu.banda at incia.edu. Before I conclude this, I would also want to provide you the uh, coupon code which uh, Mr. Prem Narayan does uh, provided. So there is, you can go to the Udemy, udemy.com and you can search up the Udemy course, Catonic MLOps certification course, and you can find a coupon code. You can use the coupon code MLOps podcast, M-L-O-P-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And you can use this coupon code to uh, 
use for this uh, particular course. Uh, this is a three-hour uh, lecture and three-hour course. I'll also be tagging this in my uh, LinkedIn post and my Medium blog post. Well, I'll uh, leave that up to you and have a wonderful morning or afternoon or evening, wherever you're tuning in from. Happy predicting the future with AI technologies.